Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash plearnmc. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hello and welcome to Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney. My name is Matt. And I'm Courtney. What do we do here, Courtney? Matt, can we talk through the do-dos and don't-dos of personalized learning? And in fact, today we're going to talk about more of that in a collective efficacy way. In a collective efficacy way, yes. We are continuing our trimester on collective efficacy. Um, what are we up to? Is it, It's number five so far. It's Season episode five. five. Season five, episode five. Is that like you're supposed to say rabbit, rabbit, or something like that? I think, I think so. Yeah, that works out fine. So we're on our fourth of the six enabling conditions. We're yeah. over halfway done. Over halfway done. That's pretty cool. We're going to talk today about cohesive staff. Ooh, cohesive, cohesion. Cohesion's a good thing, isn't it? It sounds fine. This one should be <laughs> easy. We'll be done with this in like two minutes. <laughs> So as you've listened throughout this series, we, we talk a lot about the surface level definitions of what these mean mm. and, and what people might think when they think cohesive staff. And we always know that it, it, it's more involved than you might think. Yeah. Right. Cohesive staff doesn't mean a bunch of things. Right. So what are some things that it like doesn't mean? So one of the things as I was preparing for this pod, I was working in another school a number of years ago and the staff was super friendly and they always commented that we are, we're all good friends. We all hang out together. Uh, you know, we, we, we go out after, after school and our spouses are there and we're all just big friends, which is awesome. I think that's, that's wonderful. But unfortunately at school, none of them liked each other. They didn't respect mm. each other. They as teachers, as teachers, yep, they disagreed with each other philosophically on a lot of ways they were teaching. So they thought they were cohesive and professionally, uh, they were a mess. Yeah, and you tend to see that in schools sometimes, especially when there's no time to talk to each other, right? So, what are a couple of other like don't do's, as it were? Like, don't do's? Well, I think, like, if you, so, like, let's pretend you're a new teacher at a school and, like, you're kind of, you know, getting to know people and, like, one of the things you hear is, like, oh, our Sunshine Committee is super active. Birthdays are the best here. And, like, you don't hear really anything else about, like, instruction or, like, all you really hear is about, like, the social side of things. Um, red flag. Right. More of the personal stuff. Right. But not teaching and learning. Right. Or if you hear things like, well, that department, they like to teach things this way, but mm -hmm. our department, we believe this. So like if you kind of get the sense of like silos yep. happening within the school, like where there's some very, almost like that team you were saying, like that was, you know, or that school, like, and that sounds like it was maybe every teacher was their own silo, but mm. I think it can also happen. Grade levels can silo, content areas can silo. So like, for example, a recent back to school night or open house night, whatever you want to call it, where uh, people were talking about their interpretations of standards-based grading 
um, at a school nearby me, every teacher interpreted it differently. Mm -hmm. There's clearly or, but then like the ELA teachers kind of were on the same page and the math teachers were kind of on the same page, but like math and ELA totally different, how they were interpreting standards um, and standards-based grading practices. So not, that's not cohesive either. So do you think that's because of the way we do school and just the structures of school? Uh, you, were, you were mentioning that the, the, the grade levels are different. And I, I noticed that in a lot of schools that I either work in or, yeah. or visit is that, you know, that's the first grade team and we all do things this way. Yeah. And the third grade team, it's like, well, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what they're doing, but I'm sure they're doing something all together. Right. And, and, you know, you hear that, that they're just, there's not yeah. a lot of time for them to talk together. So I think our structures are preventing some of this actual cohesion from happening which we'll talk about in a second what yeah i agree i think so i do think it is a lot of the way school has traditionally been since you know the late 1800s when it first when public school systems first came to be yeah i do think it was very you know grade level classroom and like the teacher was kind of you know in charge of their domain and there wasn't a whole lot of over not want to say oversight but maybe expectation of collaboration Mm -hmm. um, and I think that has started to change, but I think one of the first places people have gone or schools and administrators have gone when it comes to collaboration is like with like, mm -hmm. which then can have the unintended consequences of creating those silos. If there isn't then like cross pollination between the difference. Right. So, and I think that's, uh, I, I think you're right. I think that's because of the way we structure things. I was talking with a teacher a couple of days ago in the district that I am in now, and we were talking about PLCs. And the school doesn't really have anything in place for PLCs, which is, you know, fine. Uh, and they're thinking of trying to put some together for teacher evaluation purposes and yeah. how, they, how they talk to each other and, and write their goals and that sort of thing. And the teacher was talking about how their colleague was, had a completely different style than this teacher. Yeah. And so she, uh, this teacher was saying their goals would be completely different because they have different things to work on. Right. Uh, this teacher said, I, I can see myself working on X, Y, and Z, and my colleague would be A, B, and C. So how do we get together as a PLC? And I said, well, why, do you, why does it have to be another teacher in your subject area? Why can't it be somebody that has the same goals as you that's in the school? Right. And they're like, well, yeah, but I don't know who that is. I just know my department. Like, okay, that is totally makes sense. Yeah. And I think some of these, some of these don't do's that we're talking about now aren't anybody's necessarily fault. No. It's just the way we do things. Right. It's just kind of, yeah, it's the way it's happened. Yeah. And, um, I think a lot of people, and I think there's also this weird tinge of, can we really do something different in, yes. in education, yep. <laughs> which kind of cracks me up because it's like, why not? <laughs> right. Am I allowed to do that? Am and I allowed to like, do that? Yes. Like, why exactly wouldn't you be? It. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you take a chance like trying to teach a kid the right thing? I had a conversation with that yesterday and it's like, well, you know, I like to take risks in the class with my kids. So I'm like, great. Yeah. That, that's a good thing because if yeah. it doesn't work, do you stop doing it or do you keep doing things that don't work? And they're like, well, of course I stop. I'm like, well, yeah, that's totally fine. You, you're going to find out somehow you had different learners in front of you. So that's a lot of ways that cohesive staff is not defined. So we are going to define Yeah. Sure. I mean, I think, I think I want to throw out another one okay. that 
you know, before I know you kind of want to talk about our sponsor, but I, I think like we talked about like within staff, but I also think a really important one is like leadership and staff being on the same, you know, not being on the same page. Like if the leadership team or the leadership team itself not being, you know, if it's like the situation where the leadership team nods and smiles, agrees to everything and then goes back and kind of says things differently and gives different, like that's a serious lack of cohesion. Um, So it can play out there also. It isn't necessarily just about staff. It could be about leadership structures also. Yeah. I think that is one of the the reasons that I, that I'm trying to talk more about administrators being involved in its collective efficacy. This is not just a teacher thing. No. Uh, you know, admins are part of the building and they need to be on board and involved to make any of this work. Uh, right. That'll be especially one of the ones we talk about uh, next week, our fifth enabling condition. Yes. Uh, when we talk about responsiveness of leadership. Yeah. And, and I think it's also worth mentioning that like, it isn't just like we're talking a lot of our language sounds building based, but we can project this to district based also. And right. So like if oh, there is confusion in the district leadership team, much like a school leadership team, it's you get the same issues. Yeah. So I, as listeners probably know, am a district administrator. And when I'm thinking of this, it's it is across the buildings with district leadership uh, involved in what is happening. Uh, with the building administrators, with the teachers, so we're all one big team. Nice. Uh, and that's the only way that I can possibly think of it, and which we'll talk about right after our sponsor. So for you, the listeners of Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I'm still reading <laughs> Night in Chernobyl. A, it's it's a very thick, long book. Uh, it's fascinating. Uh, I go back and listen to it because sometimes it's so dry. I just find myself drifting off at times. Sure. And yeah. I'm like, oh, no, this is important. I need to, I need to listen back. So yeah. it's really good. It's one of my favorites. I haven't watched the HBO series yet, but I'm going to as soon as I finish the book. Right on. The HBO series is really good, too. Um, so I just finished listening to Yes, Please by Amy Poehler. Um, so good. So good. It's just happy soul candy. And uh, she narrates it, which makes it even better. Um, you've all have heard me say it before, I particularly love audiobooks where the author themselves reads it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, but of course, you can check out Audible's vast library and choose your own, not just the ones we like. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash plearnmc. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash plearnmc for your free audiobook. So we've talked a lot about cohesive staff and what that doesn't mean. We've kind yeah. of teased a little bit what it does mean. And right before the break, I talked about thinking like a team. Yes. And as a district administrator, working with building administrators and teachers, and basically everybody who works for the district and always saying we, and this we. is, this is our, this is our district. This is our building. This is our, these are our kids. Yeah. And always trying to push that message, whether it's overt or whether it's a little more subtle, just by saying the words yeah. that, that it's all about we, we're a team and we all affect each other. Yeah. And I think I'm fairly successful at that because that's just the way that I think. Uh, I have a role that is you know, relatively overwhelming, especially coming to a, a new district. 
and uh, and I can't do it all alone. And yeah. and I, I don't think it can be expected that that anybody could do this job alone, uh, do any job alone, not just yeah. this one. So I'm always trying to involve people and talk to people, and and it's it's about us. It's not about me. Right. And I think that's a first step in having a cohesive staff. So what else do you got? Yeah. Um, I think kind of that leads into this idea, which we talked about last week, right? Interacting with each other as much as possible, but like not only for um, getting to know how someone else works, you know, like how they teach. Um, um, this is, you know, lunch together. This is social as much as um, professional together. This is planning together. This is learning together. Um, this is figuring out together what your strengths are. You know, if you're on a committee, um, yeah, it's being on committees, right? It's, mm -hmm. um, it's figuring out what your strengths are and where you can lean on others and who those other people are that you can lean on. And they, those people might be outside of your subject or grade level. Right. Or maybe yeah. in your, even your building somewhere yeah. else. Uh, but, right. but you need to know who those people are. And yeah. that takes a lot of just talking. And yeah. I, I like what you said, the difference between just social time that we talked about before the break. Yeah. And having time together doesn't mean you just talk about your family and your weekends and that sort of thing. You can be professionally also. It can yeah. be both. Let me let me put it that way. Right. I, that's what I guess. It should I'm be. Yeah. It should. It kind of naturally flows to be both because it's hard to really talk about only work while you're at work, and it's it's really depressing if you're only talking about your outside life while you're at work yeah. with other people because then it's clear that you might be uninterested in what you're doing at that point <laughs> or right. go find a new place to work. Right. So I th I think that's that's a good clarification from you that it needs to be. It needs to be both. So yeah, and in lots of different lots of different ways in both too. Like yeah. great, have a staff softball game. Like great, have like you know a staff luncheon every once in a while, or you know like uh, all of those things. Um, all right. So the next one I think is super interesting. I really like it. Uh, clarifying each teacher's role in achieving a common purpose as part of the larger team. So I've been thinking about this one like all day because I, I, I'm a big soccer fan. Yeah. And yeah, this is going somewhere. <laughs> so I, I think about the roles of, of players and I, I read about tactics and listen to tactics on podcasts and, and what people can do as part of the team and what they can't do. Right. And one of the, one of the things that I hear a lot is if you're asking players to do something that they're just not capable of, whether they're playing a different position or have a slightly more, uh, you know, offensive role, but they're defensive players that they're not going to be as good. Yeah. Right. That they're going to be, they're going to try their best and they're, right. they're going to work occasionally, but it's, it's just not going to flow well as part of the team. So everybody needs to find their roles as to where they can make the team a lot better. Mm -hmm. And I, I, and I was thinking about from a teacher point of view, every teacher has their own strengths and weaknesses. Yes. Right. And when you just talked a little yeah. bit before about interacting with each other and getting to know them uh, professionally as well as personally. And if I know that I can find uh, a staff member or a colleague or whoever it may be 
with something that I'm not as good at, but they can help me, then I yeah. know where to go to if I'm having trouble. Right. And if everybody knows what everybody's strengths and weaknesses are, yeah, I think that really solidifies uh, a team at that point. And, and everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing, but if they're having trouble, they know where to go. It's not yeah. just the principal's role or the superintendent's role or whoever's role as the leader. It's like you can work with each other trying to find how you can get better. Right. Right. I also think like, so I think of like initiatives when, you know, schools try to push forward. Like, so I think of in previous couple previous districts doing some stuff with like interdisciplinary learning. Mm -hmm. Right. So everyone knows that the school, the building is moving towards this, towards interdisciplinary learning. Um, but like, you know, as the seventh grade, ELA teacher on a team, like, what's my part in this right now, mm -hmm. right? So being really clear and laying out, like, the strategic plan almost, like, so year one, we've got the pilot teams. They're doing this. Everyone else this year, it's expected that you do this, you know, like, you, you participate in professional learning about interdisciplinary learning. Year two, everybody has to do like your, you know, being really clear about what your responsibilities are yep. um, in that so that it doesn't, so that everyone does feel like they do have a role, even if they're like, and if you want to be like the third wave, fine, great, be the third wave, but you need to know how you support everyone else and how you support the overall movement until it's your turn to be implementing. Right, right. Not everybody needs to start with something immediately right. on your in your role here as in your uh, example as an initiative uh right. it's okay to be one of the last ones if you're the more comfortable right. with that but you need to know that too right yeah and you and i think the more important thing is you need to know what your role is as a supporter during those years before you step up right and i think that's working having the team work together to make those yeah. those things apparent and open right. and transparent so everybody knows what's going on I yes. think that's a big part of what, what a team needs to be also, yeah. um, is, is everybody needs to know what's happening. Right. Like, I also think about clarifying roles sometimes. So, like, I think about um, when I was a teacher in middle school, one of the areas where we had so much <laughs> interpersonal strife sometimes and, you know, professional strife was around advisor. Yep. <laughs> Sounds very familiar. You know, like, what exactly is the role of the advisor? Mm -hmm. um, are they just a holding space to have fun? Are they supposed to be there to be an advocate for the learners, you know, be a conduit of information or between and amongst? Um, different people on my staff had different interpretations. And for lots of different reasons, toes would get stepped on. We didn't have a clear common understanding of the role of an advisor and uh, because of that the overall feeling was that the advisory program was ineffective yep totally makes sense yeah totally makes sense because you didn't have that common purpose there right so if we had done that would have been better so when we talk about about different roles uh, one of the questions in the book talks about in what ways are teachers interdependent on one another and what are some opportunities to increase that interdependence? Mm -hmm. And we've kind of talked a little bit about, about what some of those might be, but what are some other ways that teachers might be able to, to, to make that happen? Yeah, well, I think teaming is a really obvious one, an easy mm -hmm. one. 
However, if you're a middle schooler, middle school teacher, you know that interdisciplinary teams have been a thing for a long time in middle school. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think we've started to see some more ninth grade teams mm -hmm. in high schools, which are feel more like a middle school team, although we should actually say that to the high oh, school. No. So when you team, you're kind of inherently increasing the interconnection and responsibility between the, among and between the team members. And that could happen in different ways. I think the most powerful way for that to happen is when you're all responsible for the same pool of learners. Okay. I think that ratchets up the team in really powerful ways. So here's my question for you on that one. When we talk about grade level teams, they're all responsible for the same learners. Mm -hmm. But well, we talked a little bit about, well, okay. So we talked a little bit before about having those silos on grade level teams. So can yeah. you clarify what that might mean a little bit more? Okay. So that might mean actually doing a little bit more flexible grouping. Okay. So if you come at it, you come at the team with the perspective, it's a grade level team, at the perspective that we are all teachers of all these learners, right? There's that we again. It's not my learners. We yep. are all teachers of all these learners. And then slowly that team can start looking at data of learners together and figuring out what is the what are the best you know temporary groupings for different kinds of instruction okay that seems scary at times because yeah. there, i think there has to be some underpinning of of how you're doing all that so how do you flexible group is not a question we're getting into today but i think that's something definitely that needs to be talked about in order to break some of those silos. Yes. Another way that people can become interdependent on one another or increase that interdependence are through PLCs, uh, you know, yeah. professional learning communities. So yeah. can, you, can you talk about ways that you've seen those be successful? Because uh, I mentioned one at the earlier part before the break, I think, that when we talked yeah. about the teachers staying within their subject areas, even for something that wasn't necessarily about their subject. Uh, so what are, what are some, some ways that you've seen PLCs work in this way? I think one of the most innovative ways I've seen PLCs work in a way to increase interdependence, or at least increase the awareness of other people in the building, is where an administrator I worked with kind of laid out a set of options for goal areas based on Marzano's uh, framework. Okay. And then kind of took a poll of the staff saying, um, and I think it was all very transparent. I wanna say it was done like in the lunchroom, like where there were like, you know, paper on the walls. It wasn't digital or anything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that let's say each paper had kind of like the, the goal area and then it was like, go sign up. Which one are you interested in? And then from there, groups were formed and the principal may have, the 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 leadership team may have actually made the groups. Like if, if one poster had like 10 people, that's like too big for a PLC, you know? So yeah. like they may have then formed the final groups. For the most part, people really did sign up what they were interested in and it lended some really different groups, all, all content areas, all grade levels. Um, and that was really great. And it was what people wanted to do. Right. They, weren't, really they, weren't, they weren't forced to do it. No. They kind of form their own groups yeah. from their own interests. And that I think that makes a big difference rather than being told what to do. Yeah. Sounds a lot like one of the ways we should help teach our kids. Yeah, it is. Hmm, amazing how that all works out. Strange. <laughs> okay. Do you have anything else to say about cohesive staff? 
I want to say it's really hard. I want to say it's really hard. And as a leader, you have to be really clear with yourself and with, with the people that you're leading on like what you're tight on and what you're loose on. Mm -hmm. And you really have to hold to it. I think that'll lead in well to next week's enabling condition about responsiveness of leadership. Excellent. So let's leave it there until next week. So you can follow us on Twitter at PLearnMC. You can follow us on Facebook at PLearnMC. You can find us on Spotify. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, which helps us climb the charts and get more noticed. Uh, so until next time, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. We're just one.